Welcome to the podcast, episode 29, Childhood Trauma and Maltreatment, Effects on Brain Development. The podcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast discusses the basic elements of early brain development, highlighting the impact of maltreatment, neglect, and trauma on these developmental processes. There is a wealth of literature demonstrating the impact of maltreatment on the developing brain. Child neglect and maltreatment may lead to poor brain development through several mechanisms, resulting in delays and deficits in behavioral and emotional regulation, psychosocial function, antisocial behavior, and poor academic achievement. There are multiple factors of maltreatment and neglect, including severity, frequency, and duration that play a role in brain development. The child's characteristics, such as age, temperament, gender, and ability, may also make him or her more vulnerable to abuse and neglect. Multifinality is a concept that recognizes that similar, even apparently identical, experiences had by different individuals may lead to different outcomes. However, equifinality acknowledges that different developmental paths may result in a common outcome. It is important to remember, therefore, that despite our understanding of developmental processes, it is not possible to absolutely predict the outcome of certain experiences. Even when maltreatment experiences seem similar, children will respond differently for both genetic and environmental reasons. In every case, there are multiple factors working in parallel that contribute to the ultimate outcomes experienced by a maltreated child. The influence of neglect and these other factors on biological stress systems regulation and brain development are difficult to untangle. Please note, it is important to consider that the root of much of the current literature is in Western understandings of practice and attachment. Throughout the following review and with all literature, it is recommended that practitioners approach with a critical lens. A substantial limitation of the available research is the privileging of Western perspectives. Research evidence will not deliver a one-size-fits-all approach to maltreatment and brain development. Research with neglected children is complex, and the relationship between neglect and harmful brain development is often muddled by multiple factors. Critical thinking is imperative to digesting and applying research to practice. Defining maltreatment. There are various definitions of maltreatment. However, in the context of the literature addressing brain development, maltreatment includes both acts towards the child that are likely to cause harm but also a failure to provide a developmentally appropriate and supportive environment to promote the emotional, physical, and social growth of the child. Thus, any experience outside the typical interaction with a child and having sufficient potential to cause harm, either physical or emotional, may be considered maltreatment or neglect. Maltreatment and neglect can manifest as a single event, recurring events, or a pattern of interaction between the child and abuser, often a parent or primary caregiver. While physical and sexual abuse are events, emotional abuse and neglect are characterized in the relationship between the caregiver and the child. Maltreatment can be further identified as follows. Acts of commission are actions against the child. These can be physical, emotional, or sexual in nature. Acts of omission are acts of failed care. These can include witnessing violence, either verbal or physical, or acts of neglect, which range from failing to provide basic necessities to exposure to harmful substances. The Basics of Brain Development While genetics predispose us to develop in certain ways, our experiences have a considerable influence on how our predispositions are expressed. 
Experiences and heredity, then, are both key components of optimal brain development. The newborn brain contains billions of neurons, almost all of the neurons it will ever have. During development, neurons migrate and differentiate or specialize in response to chemical signals that send information to other parts of the brain and body. The regions of the brain develop sequentially in this way, beginning with the more primitive sections and eventually moving to the more complex areas. One aspect of brain development that is not influenced by the child's environment is the stepwise order of the developmental process. This starts at the stem or base of the brain and continues to the cerebral cortex, which is at the front of the brain. Brain development is a process of creating, strengthening, and disposing of connections among the neurons. These connections, called synapses, organize the brain into pathways that provide easy access of information between parts of the brain, managing every little thing we do, from breathing to sleeping, thinking and feeling. At birth, our most basic synapses are established, such as heart rate and sleeping, with development continuing at a rapid rate during early childhood. As a child reaches adolescence, the brain contains approximately half of its original synapses, rest discarded through pruning as we continue to learn, remember, and adapt to new circumstances. While at birth the infant has billions of neurons, most of the connections among them have not yet developed. Two processes use experience in different ways to build those connections. The first is called experience-expectant development. This involves the overproduction of connections in different parts of the brain at different times. Development will not occur unless each experience happens during its critical period. The process of experience-expected development is thought to be complete by early adulthood. The second is called experience-dependent development. This is a lifetime process wherein the individual's particular experiences are encoded in the brain through learning and memory. Environmental stimulation actively contributes to the structure of the brain, but unlike the experience-expectant process, here the experiences are neither predetermined nor anticipated by the synapses at any particular stage. Existing literature suggests that the first two years of a child's life are a critical period for nervous system and emotional development, with parent-infant interaction playing a critical role in assisting development. Growth in each area of the brain greatly depends on stimulation, which encourages activity in that region. Attachment A child's neurodevelopment is both dependent on and influenced by the environment and the most critical aspect of the environment in early life is the relationship that is formed with the primary caregiver. Attachment is a biological instinct, with the mother-infant social attachment being one of the most important experience-dependent development interactions. Attachment behavior is defined as proximity-seeking behavior, where an infant seeks to get closer to the parent or caregiver with the assumption that the caregiver will reduce stress and restore calmness. Frequent contact by the primary caregiver is a biological necessity of both physical and psychological growth. Secure attachment is shown to act as a buffer in protecting the developing brain from potential trauma and stress during development. A child's attachment status is built on previous attachment experiences. This means that current attachment security reflects the child's internal working models of emotional and behavioral development. Attachment then is recognized throughout the literature as a significant feedback system that plays a key role in emotional regulation. Environmental Influences on the Brain During the first two years of life, there is a high potential for change to the human brain. As pathways are formed, it is important to remember that not all synaptic connections will survive. While this pruning is a normal part of development, the determination of which connections will remain is largely influenced by the child's environment. 
Synaptic connections that are not stimulated or used will be defeated and gradually disappear. The process of early brain development is constantly influenced by environmental factors, such as interaction and stimulation from the child's surroundings. Child maltreatment and neglect may be one element of a child's environment, which confront the developing brain with experiences that will critically and potentially harmfully affect the child's future functioning. Importantly, the younger the infant, the more these environmental factors are mediated by the primary caregiver. Sensitive periods. Sensitive periods during development are best described as the brief opening of a window of opportunity, vulnerability, and of need. The experiences a child requires for normal brain development, such as attachment, are, in the case of maltreatment and neglect, not available. If these experiences are not received during sensitive periods, typical development may not occur and the provision of these experiences at a later time will likely not be as effective. During sensitive periods, the brain is more open to experiences that produce change in the developing brain. Social and interpersonal interactions with the primary caregiver and in the caregiving environment are critical to brain development, including the stimulation of synaptic connections and production of hormones throughout the body. The orderly development of each region of the brain is dependent on appropriate interaction with the primary caregiver at the sensitive period. Stress response systems. Stress is any experience that evokes a negative emotional reaction or disturbance, such as emotional distress including fear and a sense of loss of control. Deprivation, neglect, and exposure to violence in early life are all powerful sources of stress in childhood, as well as the more obvious recognized forms of abuse. There are individual variations in the response to stress, which are based on differences in temperament as well as on prior experience. Prior experience can affect responses to stress by sensitization, by determining the child's attachment security, and by shaping the child's perception of an experience and its meaning as stressful or not. The following are three dimensions along which responsiveness to stress can be measured. Thresholds, the amount of stressful stimulation needed to produce a response. Dampening, the child's ability to stop responding to a particular stimulus once the threshold has been reached. Reactivation, the child's ability to become aroused again after dampening has occurred. Experiencing neglect may be associated with alterations in biological stress systems in children. In the developing brain, elevated levels of stress chemicals may lead to adverse brain development through multiple ways, including increased loss of neurons, delays in tissue formation, abnormalities in developing appropriate pruning, or a stress-induced decrease in brain growth. While there are a seemingly unlimited number of stressors that can cause anxiety and distress in a child, there are a set number of ways that the brain and body can respond to those stressors. There are three major neurobiological stress systems in the body, all of which are implicated in mood, anxiety, and impulse control disorders. It is likely that many of the mental health symptoms and learning problems associated with child neglect arise in combination with changes in these three biological stress systems. Sympathetic nervous system. Messages are relayed by sympathetic nerves from the brain to the adrenal gland, which releases adrenaline. The adrenaline increases heart rate and blood pressure, sweating, and activates the fight-or-flight response. Studies have demonstrated that increased adrenaline also enhances the metabolism of dopamine, a reward chemical, in response to the stress. Continual high levels of dopamine have been positively associated with dysfunction in one region of the brain, impacting capacity for planning and organizing of memory and inhibiting inappropriate responses to distractions. For example, symptoms often recognized as ADHD. Serotonin system. 
The serotonin system is considered to be the master control center for complex neural communication. Serotonin plays an important role in regulating emotions, that is, mood, and behavior, such as aggression and impulsivity. HPA axis. The HPA axis is a pathway that connects the brain to the adrenal cortex, an area that releases cortisol. The amount of cortisol released is regulated by a feedback loop, where the brain sends a message through the HPA axis to reduce the amount of cortisol. There is cortisol circulating throughout the body at all times, even in a normal state. While an increase in this chemical is an effective response to certain stressful situations, the perpetual demand for increase of cortisol can have harmful effects on the child under continual stress, particularly impacting memory. Maltreatment Outcomes Childhood maltreatment and neglect can affect the development of brain systems and neurological processes that regulate responsiveness to stress in ways that are detrimental to physical and mental health. Emotional and physical maltreatment in early childhood is associated with a range of problematic behaviors, such as impulsive behavior and nervousness, and with mental illness and adolescence. The structural, functional, and behavioral impacts on the brain have been shown to worsen the longer the duration of trauma experience and the younger the age of onset of maltreatment. Continual fear response. When met with danger, the brain moves into a fight or flight or freeze state, evidenced by increases in heart rate, blood pressure, and alertness. This is a survival-oriented response that can prove harmful if sustained over a long period of time. As a result of spending much time in low-level state of fear, children become focused consistently on nonverbal cues and frequently develop remarkable nonverbal skills in proportion to their verbal skills. Physical health. Childhood maltreatment has been linked to adult-onset chronic disease and reproductive problems. Multiple studies hypothesize that prolonged activation of stress response systems strains the immune system, leaving it susceptible to attack. Disrupted attachment processes. With the importance of the attachment process outlined above, one can imagine the outcomes that result from maternal deprivation. Deficits in social, behavioral, and cognitive development are not uncommon and are most prominent when attachment is disrupted in the 12 to 18th month period. This disruption impacts capacity for cognitive functions, which are linked to processes of memory, learning, emotional regulation, problem-solving, and completing motor tasks. Executive functions also control processes of planning, self-regulation, and sustained mental productivity. As many as 80% of children who suffer maltreatment in early life have a disorganized attachment. Neglect. To meet basic needs, the developing brain requires stimulation in the form of play, attachment, learning, emotional regulation, and so forth. Without such experiences of stimuli, the child may lose or fail to develop the capacity for basic executive functions and self-regulatory behaviors. For example, emotional regulation. Exposure to violence. MRI studies have demonstrated that exposure to violence during childhood is associated with children having smaller brain volume. Functionally, these children are likely to suffer from depression, dissociation, and both externalizing, such as aggression and self-harming, and internalizing symptoms, including depression and anxiety. Gender differences. Male children tend to be more vulnerable to the consequences of maltreatment, as reflected in changes to the brain structure. This susceptibility appears to promote more externalizing behavioral symptoms, such as aggression and suicidality. Decrease in brain volume is also noted in one particular region, called the hippocampus, which results in decreased capacity for executive function, a deficit in attention and focus, limited verbal response, and poor short-term memory. 
This can also compromise the ability to learn new tasks through both motor and non-motor means. Emotional and social problems. Maltreated children are often easily upset and have noticeable difficulty discerning emotions. Low self-esteem and poor sense of humor are also quite common, part of a negative overall disposition. Multiple studies speak to the social exclusion of children who have been maltreated. These children are often characterized as withdrawn from others, having few social interactions, and often demonstrating avoidance behavior. Resilience. Although there is increasing evidence of brain injury being associated with child maltreatment and its consequent behavioral impact, not all children are adversely affected this way. Neuroplasticity is the ability of neural tissue to alter brain function and respond to chemical cues, essentially creating a new synaptic pathway to a previous memory. Particularly notable in young children under the age of 7, the brain's plasticity gradually declines throughout the life course. This resistance in brain tissue suggests that early response for children who have suffered trauma, neglect, and maltreatment may alleviate many or some of the adverse effects, including behavioral, learning, and cognitive. It may be helpful to view the brain as an organ that is continually influenced by experience during infancy and childhood, but also throughout life. Methodological Notes One of the biggest issues in the research of child neglect and maltreatment is the lack of reliable and operational definitions and measures to define, measure, and classify types of treatment. Similarly, there are few standardized instruments to measure the absence of parenting behaviors that are deemed culturally suitable. Research with neglected children is inherently difficult because of the complexity of each situation. Children may suffer from various types of neglect and maltreatment, as well as other adversities, such as poor nutrition, poverty, and lack of educational opportunities. These variables, which are often seen in neglected children, may confound the relationship between the concept of child neglect and outcome measures of harmful brain development. As with many cases encountered in child welfare, the recommendations for working with neglected children are neither simple nor straightforward and are best taken as part of a critically reflexive practice. The second part to this particle literature review will outline further strategies and recommendations for supporting children and caregivers of children who have been maltreated. You have been listening to the ParkCast series, episode 29, Childhood Trauma and Maltreatment, Effects on Brain Development. At parkcanada.org, you can read part two of the literature review on this topic. Here we look at methods for assessing the neurodevelopmental damage from maltreatment and neglect, as well as strategies for sensitive caregiving. The ParkCast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about this episode's topic, the ParkCast series, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org. Stay up to date by following us on Twitter at PartEIP. That's P-A-R-T-E-I-P. Thanks for listening.